What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you have had a great weekend. Certainly another very, very busy weekend in the world of pro wrestling. And obviously, we'll get to that. But first, always thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to The Faction. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We greatly appreciate it. Those of you who are subscribed to our podcast as well on Spotify and Apple and Google. Thank you so much. It certainly means the world. And those who are continuing to support us across both spaces and sharing the word means the world to me. Thank you so very much to all the cities and countries checking us out. We really appreciate it. And do me a favor, continue sharing what we're doing with your friends and followers. Trust me, there is enough of us to go around, all right? So with that said, there's a lot to get to. Always a busy time in the world of pro wrestling. I wanna start off with some really good news as a couple of names in the world of pro wrestling got married over the weekend. Congratulations to NXT's Wendy Chu, who got married over the weekend, and they shared that on the gram, so shout out to them. Also, a big shout out to Keith Lee and Mia Yim, who got married over the weekend as well. That couple is an amazing couple that we saw spend a lot of time, of course, in NXT and in WWE. Both of them were on the NXT roster at the same time. They got moved to the Raw and SmackDown roster at similar times, though Mia Yim was a part of the group Retribution. So if you didn't see her face, that's probably why. Ironically, they were released at the same time as well. But their run in WWE, I thought, was really, really significant. And who knows what the future holds for both Keith Lee and Mia Yim. Though there are a lot of rumors right now that Keith Lee could be headed to AEW as soon as Wednesday. So let's take a minute right here. I do want to go back to Wendy Chu, but before I go back to Wendy Chu, let's just kind of ride this train and see where it goes. Okay, so... What I need to mention is the month of February is of extreme importance, and here's why. The last mass release that WWE did in November or so, the 90-day period ends or ended really last Wednesday on February the 2nd. So with that said, there are a lot of wrestlers who are now available to show up in varying spaces. Over the weekend, Karrion Cross, now known as Killer Cross, was involved in an event where he won a championship. We're gonna start seeing a lot more of those people who had been on the main roster now showing up in other places and spaces. So that makes for very interesting times in the world of pro wrestling. Keith Lee being one of those folks, Mia Yim being one of those folks, both of them can add an awful lot to the roster of any of these companies, be it AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, which Ring of Honor is so interesting to me right now. I think we all thought Ring of Honor was on life support and pretty much on its deathbed with the news that they were releasing their entire roster, they're reimagining the product, they had the final battle situation in December, we saw Jay Lethal leave, a number of other folks leave, 
but yet they are really preparing to do what they said they were going to do. They're returning with their supercard of honor in Dallas during WrestleMania weekend. The month of February, they've been announcing the inaugural class of the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. Last Monday, we found out the Briscoes are going in. Today, we'll find out who the second entrants are. Either way, it looks like Ring of Honor isn't going away. Plus, it seems like Ring of Honor has a deal with Impact Wrestling where a number of their folks are over there doing things in the name of Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor world champion Jonathan Gresham continues to defend his championship around the country in varying promotions. So Ring of Honor isn't gone, and I think they will be back. I don't know what their reimagined look will be, but I'll say this, a Mia Yim in Ring of Honor could really do a lot for their women's division. Equally, she'd fit in very well in AEW as well in what is becoming a stacked women's roster over there. So I think there are all sorts of opportunities. She'd also do very well, of course, in Impact, who I will just go on and say, I think all of Impact's product has been overlooked right and underappreciated we made a lot of of jokes and innuendos about them surviving but they did they made it through that really rough period where uh they had were suing matt hardy and all of that type of thing and they've really become a space of opportunity for a lot of superstars so I think this gets really interesting in terms of places that people can go. Certainly the thing about Impact, Ring of Honor, and right now AEW is based on the kind of contract you sign, you'll also still be able to work independent dates. So this is the opportunity to work out really, really well for both Mia Yim and of course Keith Lee and what a great wedding present that would be being signed to a new company. So with that said, I think it's interesting to just go back and look at some of the names of people who were released in 2021, particularly in the month of November. Looking at that will kind of give us an idea of perhaps who we can expect to see on WWE television. So, of course, I mentioned Keith Lee being released that was November the 4th, along with Mia Yim. Here are some of the other names that were released on November the 4th that you'll likely be seeing specifically on perhaps someone else's television at this point. That would be, of course, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Nia Jax, who I don't think she'll be back in a wrestling ring. She's kind of made it clear that she's done with pro wrestling. Ember Moon. Eva Marie, Mia Yim, Harry Smith, who is the son of the British Bulldog, Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, Jeet Rama, Katrina Cortez, Trey Baxter, who had an NXT contract, and so he's already back out in the world. It's Blake Christian. We've seen him do some great things in GCW. Zeta Ramir, Jesse Camilla. Those two also had NXT contracts, as did Oni Lorcan and Frankie Monet, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie. So it's important to remember that those who were released from NXT contracts only had a 30-day non-compete, while those who were part of the Raw or SmackDown brands had a 90-day non-compete. That's November the 4th. There were also releases that happened on November the 8th. And those releases, again, depending upon where they were, we'll start to see some of those folks pop up on television probably as early as next week as February the 18th would be the 90 day spot. We're talking about the rest of Hit Row being, of course, 
Ashante Adonis, Top Dollar, and Isaiah Swerve Scott, aka Shane Strickland. And we're already starting to see some of the things that Shane Strickland will be doing. Speaking of Shane's, Shane Thorne, who also had an NXT contract, he's out there. Jackson Riker, who of course was on the main roster. Then you have Tegan Knox, who was an NXT contract, and John Morrison, who had a WWE contract. So all of this becomes important because it is highly possible that you will see any of these folks on a TV screen sooner rather than later. Now, there are a few other names that I think you should be aware of. Some of them you have seen in other places, like the last time this big release situation happened was August the 6th. In that class, Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, Mercedes Martinez. Now, I mentioned those three. They were all NXT. In fact, this was an NXT release on August the 6th. Most of those folks have already found a new home. Bobby Fish and Mercedes Martinez in AEW. Bronson Reed as Jonah in Impact. Also, Tyler Rust, who was part of Ring of Honor. Kona Reeves, Leon Ruff, Stefan Smith, Jake Atlas, who's made his way to AEW, Desmond Troy, Asher Hill, and several others. Bray Wyatt was released on July the 31st. And so why that becomes super important is because he has been more than available his 90 days passed certainly before the end of the year so really by the end of november were the 90 days for bray wyatt so i'm just saying this because any of these folks that i've mentioned to you could show up on someone's television screen very very soon and so keep your eyes and ears peeled because some of those names may be showing up at a wrestling promotion near you so congratulations again. This started, of course, with congratulating both Keith Lee and Mia Yim on their wedding and Wendy Chu on hers, which let me just say this. I don't know how many of you are watching NXT these days, but admittedly, I don't watch NXT live anymore because I'm not crazy about their direction, but I do my best to keep up with what's going on with NXT. And so in catching up with the latest episode of NXT, Wendy Chu has a very interesting thing happening. She's kind of in this gimmick of sorts where she's always asleep and she's literally wrestling in her pajamas, right? Like a big giant onesie that a child would wear. And there are a couple of things that I have issue with with this. First and foremost, this is the same Wendy Chu who was at first Karen Q. Karen Q uh, had a horrible leg break at a house show here in Atlanta that kept her out for a year. She came back as a sort of ancient character that went along with Boa and Zia Lee. Yeah, she was that for a bit. Then that character disappeared. And of course, Zia Lee went over to SmackDown. So Boa has all of those powers. But now in this reimagined NXT, Wendy Chu is what I consider to be kind of a female take on Orange Cassidy. Very lackadaisical, very, hey, nothing matters, that type of thing. And I think that's kind of, for lack of a better term, odd, right? I do mean odd. So 
I think this is interesting to see what happens with her. And again, the direction of NXT 2.0 is not exactly my cup of tea, but it is what WWE is doing. The ratings reflect certainly how I and many others feel in terms of what NXT was versus what NXT has become. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Wendy Chu space right now. It's just very, very interesting. All right, when we come back, speaking of WWE, we're going to talk about what happened on SmackDown and get into what I might say is going on with Big E. That's coming up when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But that I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're going to pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor. And now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever going to happen here forward a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been all right guys so let's talk a bit about smackdown which happened of course over the weekend some definite wrestlemania implications and elimination chamber implications let's start with the latter the elimination chamber implications so I didn't see this coming, admittedly. Who would Roman Reigns' next opponent be heading into, of course, WrestleMania? We know at WrestleMania, he'll be taking on Brock Lesnar. Whether or not that's a title for title match will be determined at the Elimination Chamber. But shocking the world, of course, as Roman and Paul Heyman explain their reuniting and feeling so good, out comes Goldberg, which again, I was shocked. I certainly hadn't heard any spoilers about Goldberg showing up. So shock factor, great. Then I thought to myself, why is Goldberg back? And then I thought to myself, oh, Elimination Chamber, 
is in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia loves Goldberg. And Goldberg is going to have himself a match at Saudi Arabia. It's been happening for the last few cards. I think some of us may have forgotten that Saudi Arabia was kind of the end of the Bobby Lashley Goldberg feud and they had a pretty solid match that ended with Goldberg spearing Lashley off of the stage through a table pretty impressive stuff now from what we understand Goldberg had at that point two more matches left on his contract which means this should be the final match of his contract unless we counted it wrong which would make for two matches on his contract either way we're certainly nearing the end, at least for now, of seeing Goldberg on our televisions. Do we think that Goldberg will beat Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia? Absolutely not. I think there was a time where I was very concerned that when Goldberg shows up, somebody's going to lose and it's not going to be Goldberg, right? We saw what he did, of course, to Kevin Owens' universal title reign. Oddly enough, at the February event that year, we also saw what he did to the reign of the fiend, which a lot of people are still sour over. But we also have to remember a couple of things. He's not won a ton lately. Go back to Royal Rumble last year, 2021, where he fought Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. That didn't go well for him. Later that year, back in August at SummerSlam, he battled Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. And that didn't go well for him. Of course, he got his rematch in Saudi Arabia, won that match. But now we're in another title match. Now, of course, this is kind of the reboot or the rematch of the match that never happened for WrestleMania 36. When, of course, they were supposed to battle. COVID happened. Roman Reigns pulled out. It resulted in Goldberg ending up having to face a last-minute opponent, that opponent being Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman wins the Universal Championship. What's going to happen here? I don't know, but I feel a lot more confident that Roman Reigns will have Goldberg as a notch on his belt versus Goldberg being the guy to end the historic streak of Roman Reigns. So I'm not nearly as worried. This is perhaps one of the strongest wrestlers battling Goldberg ever. So this will be interesting. I do think that the list of Roman Reigns opponents that he has defeated in this over 500 day reign as Universal Champion has been epic. And I think that we'll be talking about this title reign significantly because whereas Brock Lesnar's 503 day reign also featured a lot of time off for Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns was a fighting champion, and as a fighting champion, he really did some great things for that title, and I love to see it. So I'm not worried about this. I'm equally surprised that we see Ronda Rousey choosing Charlotte Flair. I actually like this choice for a few reasons. Granted, I would love to see Ronda and, of course, Becky, but I really want to see Becky versus Bianca in a WrestleMania rematch from, of course, what happened at SummerSlam for Bianca to get her comeuppance. She has done incredibly well, and so for me, this gives me hope that that will happen. Here's my third, however, in comma to this, and that is Going into WrestleMania 35, it was supposed to be Becky versus Ronda. Becky had won the Royal Rumble that year, punching her ticket to finally battle Ronda, which was supposed to happen at Survivor Series the previous year, but didn't because Nia Jax, of course, broke Becky Lynch's nose. 
With all of that said, Charlotte Flair found her way into that match by hook or by crook by ultimately winning the SmackDown Women's Championship and then punching her ticket in and doing that, making this kind of a winner take all. I do not want to see a winner take all situation for the women's championship. I think a lot of people are picking Ronda to win this match. Here's my however and comma though. I remember, I believe it was WrestleMania 34, when Asuka made her debut on the quote-unquote main roster, won the Royal Rumble, the first women's Royal Rumble ever, and challenged Charlotte Flair. Asuka had not tasted defeat in WWE, NXT, or any place else in a WWE brand. And I think we all thought that Asuka was going to defeat Charlotte. Charlotte retained the title that year, and it really caused a lot of questions, and it kind of wasn't the best start to Asuka's main roster career. Shout out to Asuka wherever she is. I think she's injured right now. We definitely miss her presence, and hopefully she'll return by WrestleMania, and hopefully the same is true for Bailey. Matter of fact, missing both of them uh, does something dangerous, I think, to the women's roster. With that said, could this be the same fate? Will Charlotte beat Ronda? Will Ronda beat Charlotte? I'd love to get your thoughts. My thoughts are developing on this because I actually think this could go either way. It could certainly cement Charlotte Flair as the greatest women's wrestler of the modern era and some would say of all time. Ronda defeating Charlotte would obviously put Ronda in a certain space. Does Ronda need to have a win over Charlotte? Perhaps. I think Charlotte benefits a lot more from the win over Ronda, though if Charlotte loses, her stock doesn't go down. I'd love to get your thoughts. Charlotte versus Ronda, will that match even happen come WrestleMania? Let's talk about that via chat. Before we go, very briefly, I do want to talk about Big E. The plight of Big E is of great concern to me. Big E started 2022 as the WWE champion. That day, because COVID hit Roman Reigns, a fatal five-way happens, which now inserts Brock Lesnar into the picture. Brock Lesnar wins the WWE champion by pinning, of all people, the WWE champion, Big E. From there, Big E didn't win a match for a while, and then he ends up by the end of January, becoming a permanent fixture now on SmackDown, teaming again with Kofi Kingston to be the New Day. He ends up getting ceremoniously eliminated from the Royal Rumble after coming in at a really good spot, like 27, 26, somewhere in there. So we thought that there could be a chance for him until number 30 popped up, being Brock Lesnar. Big E, after a WWE title reign, relegated back to a tag team teaming up with the same guy who we all lost our minds over at wrestlemania 35 who also didn't get a real rematch for the wwe championship and who too was relegated back to a tag team immediately after his title reign what's happening here is it that the WWE views Big E as a more valuable commodity in the New Day than his singles run or nah? Tell me your thoughts on this. Big E back with the New Day, back on SmackDown after barely a four-month title reign on Raw? 
Let's talk about that. I want to get your thoughts. Speaking of Raw, remember, because of the Olympics, Raw and NXT are on Sci-Fi this week, so set your DVRs appropriately so that you don't miss those shows. Should be a big week. A new signee to AEW is coming this Wednesday night. Could it be Keith Lee? Could it be any of the folks that I mentioned, certainly that were released in November? Could it be Bray Wyatt, who has been biding his time as Wyndham Rotunda? I don't know, but I think there's a lot of intrigue, to say the least, and who knows what will happen in the world of pro wrestling, but we'll be talking about it right here on The Faction. So, until next time, family, representing from a good brother's Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid, my